0: from the great city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, home of the Philadelphia Eagles. This is the TeacherCast Podcast. (music) Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to another edition of the TeacherCast Podcast from TeacherCast.net. The TeacherCast Podcast is a weekly show where we discuss the 21st century technologies that we need to utilize in our 21st century classrooms. Today we're gonna be talking to the Wired Educator himself, Kelly Croy. Kelly is a middle school teacher from the great state of Ohio where he has a very interesting style of teaching. He's a dynamic public speaker and performer and recently was named as an Apple Distinguished Educator. Kelly, welcome to the show, how are you
1: today? Great, Jeff, thanks for having me on. And how are things out in Ohio this afternoon? Great. I uh, had a beautiful day. Got a little bit of storms rolling in right now.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself. You, you teach middle school, correct?
1: Correct. I'm a seventh grade English teacher. I've been teaching English for 20 years. I've been using technology in the classroom uh, since my first year, but these last few years, Jeff, have just been incredibly exciting. Uh, getting uh, Apple MacBooks and iPads and iPod Touches and getting devices in the hands. Uh, I feel like a, a first-year teacher again, excited, ready to take on the world.
0: I've had a lot of people on this show talk about the beginning of the school year and, and getting ready with new technology. Do you feel that you're doing the same lessons just with different toys?
1: Well, yes and no. I, you know, I'm a big advocate for teachers to use technology. So the first thing I want to tell a teacher who might be a little uh, apprehensive to take on technology in their classroom that doesn't have a lot of confidence or experience with it is that you do not really have to do things a lot different than what you're already doing. But on the other hand, you're not going to be doing the same things. Um, the biggest change, I think, for me and for any teacher that's going to use technology is... We're no longer that sage on the stage. You know, we're the guide on the side, and uh, we're we're leading the students through an adventure of learning with technology rather than being the director of traffic, and uh, that's that's probably the hardest thing for me because I do like to speak and, to people, and I do like the lecture part of teaching, but um, changing your style of education to assist a learner, to, to create discoveries. Uh, kind of on the fly is is rewarding in its, in its incredible own way
0: I, I I like that quote there, the adventure of learning that's that's a good one
1: and that 's what it is. you know it, when it comes to life. Um, You know, we're not going to be get get a job or or chase a dream where the answers are in the back of the book or there's always a formula to figure things out. What we really need to teach students to do, and I think technology does a fantastic job of this, is to communicate and to communicate well and to communicate in a way that's uh, engaging and exciting and to collaborate with others. I mean, that's what we use technology for. It uh, doesn't matter if you're creating a podcast or a website or uh, even an app for an iPhone or iPad. You are creating. You're communicating. And you have to – the whole nature of technology is to collaborate with others. That's why we get on Skype or Facebook or Twitter. And, and those are the two biggest components in the classroom that I think are going to take students – Uh, to be successful, and most importantly, to to achieve the dreams that that, that they really want to make. And technology is just, uh, wow, just what a great vehicle to do that. Um, Just exciting times. And we've always had technology, but uh, we've never had it as exciting as it is today and as available. And I think those are just two of the biggest keys.
0: You know, you said you've been teaching 20 years and our show really caters to that teacher that says, you know, I just got this iPad. I, I don't know what to do with it. I've even had, you know, good conversations with people who bought that iPad and then kind of left it on the side and it was a glorified paperweight for a few weeks before using it. Um, as an English teacher, could you give us an example of maybe a lesson that you've done for the last 20 years that maybe has changed a little over the last couple of years with technology?
1: Well, sure. Um, I guess to address the first part of your question, you know, what to do, you know, we have this uh, very expensive paperweight on our desk or on our students' desk, is, you know, I, I kind of want my students and I kind of want teachers that I work with to be like astronauts. If you ever look inside a, a spaceship, there 's just full of buttons, and anytime you watch a movie about space travel, those people are flipping every button that 's inside that uh, that nose of that spacecraft and that 's what you need to do when you get technology. You need to flip every switch, turn every knob, hit every key, and just try to figure out what happens when I do this. You know Jeff as well as I do you 're not going to break it. Um, and you're going to learn. You're going to discover. And don't be afraid to ask the students because they, they know so much. And that's part of learning. They share with you. You share with them. Um, for me, you know, the I love literature. And I, that's probably my favorite part of being an English teacher. And I also love writing. And, you know, now with blogging and, you know, it used to be when a student wrote a paper, it at best saw me. It was shared in some way with my small class. Uh, it might be shared with a relative, a family member, and then eventually, if it got a great grade, it would get displayed on the refrigerator, which we know was the central communication hub of every home. But, you know, now with technology and all the social networking, we really have an opportunity to take a student's work and create it in an even more exciting way. You know, they can still write but they can add video and, and art and all their other interests. You know, Students might be interested in music, and they can fit this in to a, a really creative uh, writing assignment that gives them a chance to show their personality, to, to put their signature on it. And then the real key is not to just deliver it to the teacher, that they have a real audience, a real audience that can give them feedback, and it can be big. I mean, you know, we see all the time YouTube videos, that they say go viral, and they're seen, seen all the way around the world. And you know, my goal—I hope to go another twenty years of teaching. I want some of my students' work to go viral. I want some of my students' writing or creative projects to go viral. I want some guy in, in South Korea to to give my students the ultimate grade on a project and say that's cool, and, and the students will just eat that up.
0: You know, Kelly, I, I think that is one of the best answers I've ever had on, on our program. Um, with your middle school classes, are you teaching how to blog versus how to write a term paper? Should we be teaching both mediums?
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, I've always been an advocate for never silencing a student. So if a student, students speak within different social groups. And so, you know, when they're with their friends, they're going to speak in their slang and have their, uh, you know, text messaging uh, lingo. And, you know, they're going to have the words that they have with their friends. I don't want to say, no, that's not communication. I want to tell them that's communication. That's fantastic communication within that small social group. As an English teacher, I want to empower them to give them to the ability to speak in numerous social groups. So there is a social language of the work world, the professional world, uh, of factories. Uh, you know, I know, Jeff, that you're very much into music and and you have your own lingo there and there's a certain proper way to speak and as my job is to find out what the students interests are and where they want to go and try to lead them to discover how they can empower themselves to learn that language no matter what it is you know if they want to be a you know i don't i don't discard any dream if they want to be an, an athlete i want to empower them to speak within that community of athletes and that's what teaching is um i think too long we we've we've painted a narrow road of what success really is and with technology and and i hate to say it with pulp uh uh media like uh what's the television show where the it was a musical um high school high school musical the glee well, yeah and, and glee Two great examples of demonstrating that students are have mul- multiple talents, and you know when I was a young man, um, I, I was very much interested in art, but art was something that was kind of uh, quieted by my parents and teachers. It just wasn 't viewed as something that anybody could ever be successful with. And so I was you know, put on different roads and different tracks. And nowadays, I think with shows like that and teachers like you and hopefully teachers like me, um, te- kids can understand that, you know, okay, I can be really good at math and I can be a musician and I can be an athlete. And all, all three of these components can go together and not only go together, they can work in harmony. And, and that's the beauty of the educational environment that, that we live in today, yeah. I believe.
0: I was reading through some of my Twitter feeds today and it came across this this blog post about should we be encouraging our kids or helping our kids to create their own brands? You know, we always foster the kid going out and being the football star or the track star, but, you know, even at middle school, we can teach them how to foster their own identity. How do you you feel about stuff
1: like that? Well, I'll I'll be right up front with it. Um, Whether we get involved in it or not, they are creating a brand. Um, students do create brands, and they always have. And I think we need to put that out front and say, you know, I'm, you know, I am very much into technology, and I have four daughters. But right now, I don't allow my daughters to have a Facebook page. There's so much drama at their school right now that I don't feel that we want to create this drama at home as well. But I do own my children's uh, URL names, domain names. They all have Twitter uh, names. I, I have secured all those for them because I know that that will be a big part of their life. But when students come into the classroom, let's take a high school student, and they have a Facebook page, and they have a Twitter account, and they've already created this digital footprint of who they are with their interests and in things. Jeff, employers are, are Googling um, employees it's just a, it's the way things are uh, i coached for 18 of the 20 years and you know I, I remember athletes missing games because of of just stupid things they posted on their facebook page a party they were at or something like that and so this brand or this digital footprint is being created and i think we need to uh i hate to keep using the word empower but we need to empower and, and teach the student to uh they need to control that that other people can find out what they're doing and, and see who they are, and what is it you want to put out there? You know, what what do you want to put out front? And for the students that may not be into the social media like that as well, I think they understand brands very well, and I think they want a brand. But depending on the age group, uh, you know, the the students I work with, they all want to be under the same brand. You know, they want to they want to look alike and they want to sound alike, and they don't want this. Uh, Identity yet. And that might be more of a high school thing. Those are just my thoughts on it. And I'd probably have to think them through a little bit more, but that's kind of how I feel about it initially. Are you a big um, advocate
0: of students going out and trying to make money off of this, this brand at middle school, high school
1: level? Well, you know, I, I guess when I use the word brand, I'm not always thinking about it for a monetary gain. Um, but I think it can come to that. I don't think anyone, you know, w- Regardless of what they're doing to chase a dream, should put uh, profit out front. You know, I think uh, if someone's interested in music or interested in artwork or speaking or anything like that, uh, they're doing it because it's a, it's a love. And once they've given and once they've uh, received some recognition by that, and an opportunity arises to profit from it, absolutely. You know, I, I see nothing wrong with that. Um and it just opens up more lessons for um, to learn but you know the the publishing world is, is about to go heels overhead now with the epUB format uh, that you and I can create epUB books and you know anybody can sell anything on Amazon and, and eBay and, and things like that and kids are doing it. Uh, I just read an article the other day about uh, the first time they had a a hackers, uh, convention. And there was like an eight year old and a 10 year old kid that were two of the stars at it. And that just amazes me. You know, I got a seven year old downstairs and, and she's playing with Barbies and here I am supposed to be so into technology, uh, how do these kids learn that and, and how are they turning a profit from it? So, you know, don't necessarily put the profit out front, but, uh, why, why close the door to it? I, I see no point in that. You know, it's, uh, better than a paper route.
0: (laughs) Let's turn the tables a little bit to talking about your classroom. Um, Your website, MrCroy.com, is an amazing little journey through your teaching process. Um, I'm looking right now at the podcast page, and and it shows you, obviously, in class, you've got the kids in front of you, and you turn the computer on, and you talk to them about their homework assignment, and then it seems like you post that on their website.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you another great one uh, is, our, is our CBL class, uh, Project Based Learning. It's pblquest.com. But on mrcroy.com, yeah, that's probably how I first, I'd say, in a really interesting way, started using technology in the classroom, was creating podcasts for my students. And not nothing as extravagant as the podcast that you're doing tonight. These are just uh, things that I would capture on an iPod or uh, a MacBook record it and upload to my personal website and my students would actually download them and you know you have students that are out of class that miss the lecture or miss the talk or the experiment or the guest speaker or whatever who get it and then there's kids like me when I was in school I just need to hear things twice you know I just I need to hear things more than once and podcasts you know give, gives us that ability to do it and then it goes to video podcasts and now we're annotating podcasts and i'm sure you could teach me quite a few things more about podcasts i think youtube and and other things are are uh, doing like closed captioning and things like that and and with all the video editing and and stop motion and you know all these different things uh you know Digital creations, digital storytelling, podcasting stuff—it it can be as simple as just hitting record on a device and capturing something live with all the mistakes, coughs, and sneezes, or it can be a, a major production that rivals some things that we see on television. Amazing stuff!
0: Take us behind the scenes a little bit. Um, as I'm looking at mrcroy.com, um your website is done on what project? Uh, what program? <laughs>
1: Um, it's about to go obsolete. It's something by Apple called iWeb. I absolutely love. Um, you'll still be able to use iWeb, but with the new uh, iCloud coming through, uh, they've stopped. Uh, it's it's a, not a program I'm not sure you can get anymore, and it's hosted. You can, you can host it any way you want, but uh, mine was hosted through Mobile Me, which will end June of 2012.
0: Okay, so iWeb I is a simple program. We all have it um to make the videos you're doing that with what program
1: um i to be honest with you i like to keep things very simple um i most of the time when i'm capturing something in class you know earlier in the program i said i i first thing i tell teachers is you don't have to do things differently and the nice thing about i iPods and macbooks is when you pull up like uh photo booth or or iMovie or something like that, it gives you very few choices. You just hit a button called record, and I start talking just like I would normally to my class, and I capture it. And my philosophy has always been, you know, even if I cough or or make a mistake or something like that, that's what the students would have heard anyways. And and I could invest a lot of time in trying to get those out and things, but uh, it's authentic. It's what it was, and I can move on to, you know, all the other things that I enjoy doing. You know, if I'm going to do something for a a big event, you know, I will clean and polish that up. Uh, If it's, I know something that a lot of people are going to go back to again and again. But I try to keep my podcast very real, like my class, Um, and that's just how I do it. So basically, I use uh, iPods, uh, I use iMovie, I use um, probably the simplest way to do it is Photo Booth. I, I do most of my video capturing in Photo Booth. It's very simple and you just drag it in. Um I use iMovie a lot to to edit things up. Um and GarageBand, great way to cap- capture just audio.
0: Have and... you tried those programs on your iPad yet?
1: Yes. How do they yeah. work? Oh, I love them. I tell you, and, you know, a, a, the first thing when I show iPads to people, Jeff, is they want to know um they say, "Well, what can it what can a laptop do that the iPad can't mm-hmm. do or vice versa?" Mm-hmm. And my first response is the iPad can do a lot of things a laptop can't do, simply because, in my opinion, there's more software written for the iPad. You know, there's little stop-motion video cameras, and there's there's one I absolutely love. It's called Silent Film Director, and I think it's a great way for digital storytelling for students um, to tell a story without sound. Then they use music, they use um, body language and text, and that's how they tell a story. And I'm I'm sure you could do that in iMovie, but the little app for uh, the iPad and the iPod Touches just makes it simple, uh, concise, uh, and just it serves that single purpose. And these single purpose apps are cheap and they're extremely powerful. And students can create powerful uh, digital content you know, quickly and get it out there and it looks just great. And they're really proud of it. Love it.
0: So... The- how do we encourage our students to, to look at this content? I, I remember at the beginning of every year, and I think it's probably going to end up happening this year, where I get up and I talk to the kids and the parents at back-to-school night saying, you know, I've got a Twitter bar, I've got a website, and it's so easy. You can look at your website from your from your phone, you know. Right. How do you get the kids to buy into the concept of, of keeping a Twitter feed or or checking a website or, you know, how do we – how do we foster this uh, behavior?
1: Well, that's great, and it's going to be different for every teacher and for every student. But Jeff, I think you know, looking at TeacherCast right now as I speak with you, and and just kind of knowing who you are, um, I think you'd be very good at it. And uh, it's it's you got to create something people want to come to. You know, in my class, I teach uh, in a very unique. Uh, educational environment. I team teach with two other teachers, another English teacher and a history teacher. And we're in a very large room and we're one-to-one MacBooks and we have some iOS devices. But what we've done is we've created a a website using iWeb called PBL for project-based learning, pblquest.com. And our students begin their day there. And not only do they begin their day there, it's a place that, you know, we'll take pictures probably daily. And post them on there. And they don't know which ones we're going to post. Uh, the, we make funny videos. The, the other, uh, the social studies teacher and I, we make funny videos, uh, like public service announcements, you know, like, uh, be prepared for class. And, and we post those on there. We post our homework assignments and links to other things. And so what we've done, Jeff, is we created a digital hub, an entry point for them to, it's, if they want to go to their WikiSpace page, they go to pblquest.com and then it links over. If they want to check their grades it goes there first and so it's you know it's almost like your cable television channel you know that displays all the the messages and things like that it's that scrolling bar that pops up and so our students walk into the room and they fire up their uh macbooks and it's already the the home screen and they read the the quote for the day the message that's going to be on there and you know i you know i can't say every student is excited to get there but you know students love to see their work posted up there they love to see their photos and they love to see fun things and that's what we try to do um the the bigger challenge for me jeff has been to get parents involved we tried to create a facebook page just for parents to try to keep them up to date we tried to create some twitter excuse me twitter accounts uh to keep parents up to date and uh and i know they're 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 into that i see them with their phones and stuff but the the response was poor i was a little disappointed by the parents i'm not sure that's something i'm going to work harder on for next year
0: you know, Kelly, you seem like you have your whole act together. 20 years of teaching, you've got some great stuff going on for you, and looking over your bio, it's almost like you were setting yourself up for this success at a very early age. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the one thing i got to just tell everybody that kind of pops out over everything is you're an Eagle Scout.
1: Yeah, I'm very proud of that. Thank you, Jeff.
0: How did that happen? Because that, that doesn't happen overnight. I, I can tell you that one for sure.
1: Right. Well, I'm very proud of being an Eagle Scout, and I uh, I consider it the secret to my success. To be quite honest with you, you know, scouting is a very important program for young men um, for a lot of reasons. One, uh, they, they talk about leadership every every page in the book. Every meeting you go to, leadership's put out there and it's put on a pedestal, and it's it's important. And you know, a quote that I love to use is, you know, leadership doesn't just make a difference; it is the difference. And so, you want to be a leader, and it's also uh, it's goal oriented. You know, you you want to earn things, you want to advance, and I look at my students when they come in. And one of the first things I do each year is I want to know their dreams. That's so important to me as a teacher. I want to know what their dreams are. Because if I know my students' dreams, I know I can get them excited about literature, and I know I can get them excited about writing, and whatever it is that I need to teach. But I have to know their dreams. And the scary thing is, I have a lot of students coming in with two very bad beliefs. One is they don't know their dreams. They just don't know. When I was a kid, if you asked me what my dreams were... You better have had a lot of paper because I would have filled both sides of it up. There's so many things I wanted to become, and so that's a, that's a little scary to me. And I think scouting would kind of fix that. And the second thing is that students don't believe anymore that they can become anything they want, and scouting told me that I can become anything I want to be. And uh, so did my parents, and they were big supporters of that. Uh, you know, I could go on and on for a very long time. Scouting placed me uh, with mentors, um, some some very interesting men in our community who donated their time that were very successful. And in and out of scouting, they looked after me. They created opportunities for me. And the, the rank of Eagle has opened so many doors for me, uh, including my job. You know, I've been teaching in the in the same school for 20 years, and I have to tell you, um, I was hired by a Marine that served in Vietnam, and he told me straight up, one of the most interesting things on my resume was the fact that I was an Eagle Scout. Uh, I could go on and on about scouting. It's disappointing to me to see that it's not uh, as important in, to, in some communities as it was in mine, uh, that it's not supported by in homes and schools, but uh, clearly. One of the greatest things that ever happened in my life. So I appreciate you pointing that out. Um, I like to do anything I can to encourage young men to become uh, scouts and and to pursue the rank of eagle. And uh, it's just a great, great program.
0: I I couldn't echo that one more. i got to tell you, I'm a third-generation eagle scout. My dad's an eagle. My uncle's an eagle. My grandfather's an eagle. My great-grandfather would have been an eagle scout had they had the eagle program. But, uh, my, my, dad, that's, my dad's a third I think he's either a third or a second generation Silver Beaver winner and, wow. uh, Yeah, scouting goes really back I got my Eagle Scout at 14 and, Wow,
1: what and, a legacy uh, Congratulations to you, that's a, quite a an accomplishment
0: And, and, and I, I love it when the kids come up And they ask me to help them out with their projects Or sign some more certificates and awards Do you remember how many merit badges you had?
1: I don't remember I really don't
0: Um but I think right. I think it's great that you said that scouting set you up to do anything that you wanted to. And you became a teacher, 20 years. You've got four wonderful daughters. Yes. Yes, I do. And then you kind of said, well, let's expand that a little bit. And, and you started a, a performance show,
1: correct? Right. Um, kind of like you, Jeff. Uh, you know, with teacher cast and, and I know you're a conductor and, and you do things like that. Uh, being a coach and a teacher and, and, and loving to talk like I do, um, very early on in my teaching career, people started asking me to attend, uh, dinners and social events and to give talks. They, they loved the inspiration that I was providing for their children. And they, uh, when I would have parent teacher conferences, uh, I guess it didn't really matter that I was 21 years old. I would, uh, also inspire the the parents as well to do a better job or to get more involved and uh, so i started receiving these opportunities and i i don't know uh, how you are with your music but with my art i can't talk to somebody unless i'm doodling on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and i love cartooning and you know one of the dreams that i always wanted to do when i was a kid was to become a cartoonist and so i'm always doing these funny cartoons and uh I started speaking at a few events, and I got a uh, a large tablet of paper, and uh, just started to draw a couple cartoons in the in the midst of my talk because it generated a lot of laughter and it gave the people something to keep. And I really thought for a long time about how I could expand that, and uh, I ran across a, a few people that were doing something pretty unique, and it was a chalk art presentation. and I don't want to take up your night, but in short, uh, my my art presentations have evolved now where I work on a six-foot by eight-foot canvas that's spot-lit, and I do an artistic performance that's choreographed to music. And then the real uh, fun at the end is I bring the landscapes to life with computer animation. And it's it's pretty amazing because uh, the art that I draw on the the screen itself – becomes animated with birds and people and boats and airplanes and things like that and everything matches up just perfectly and people always want to know well how did you get that guy to walk on that spot at the exact time and I tell them of course it's just magic (laughs) Um, and then I don't speak while I do the art the speaking comes afterwards or before but the art presentation is is unique in itself and I just really like the fact that I'm not a musician But I really love music, and I really love movie soundtracks, and I use a lot of movie soundtracks in my presentations. I'm just so happy that, uh, one, that people ask me to come and do this, but two, that I get to combine everything that I love – teaching, artwork – music public speaking all rolled up into one and computer animation and computer stuff all rolled up into one and uh bring joy to people and then it's not bad that they you know i get paid for it as well you know supporting a family of of, uh five women isn't always easy (laughs) but uh you know i i I mentioned to you earlier you know as a teacher and i want to help my students achieve their dreams and I don't think there's any better way I can do that uh, by sh- other than by showing them that I'm chasing mine and uh, you know I am very happy being a teacher but when I speak in on a stage and, and share my art it's just a bigger classroom that's all I'm doing I'm still a teacher and my students get very excited when I walk up to the chalkboard because I use chalk in my presentations and now I just wonder if they're going to get a show mm-hmm. in class but um it's that's fun. You know, the kids look at me and they're like, "Okay, this guy is trying to do something. I, I'm going to try too." And uh, that helps them. You know, that helps them a lot. And I'm not the kind of guy that sits around and watches a lot of television shows and, and things like that. I always have some new project uh, I'm, I'm working on, and that's exactly what I want my students to be. And so we model. We model the behavior that we want our students and our children to to, uh, to pursue. So, thanks for letting me share that.
0: No, I, I think it's a- absolutely great. I mean, you know, once a teacher, always a teacher. Once an Eagle Scout, always an Eagle Scout. And, I agree, yes. And, and I, that, that's just, you know, going back to everything here, you know, you have the teaching, you have the teacher cast, it, you have the, the conducting. You know, it, it's really neat seeing somebody else doing that same jack of all trades kind of mentality. Yes.
1: Yeah, and you know, one of the the little expressions that always kind of uh, put a little kink in my side, Jeff, is when they say, those who can't teach. And I've always been a firm believer that, that uh, being a little cocky too, those who teach can do anything is my response. And I look at, you know, teachers that I work with, and, and truly, you are a great example of that. Teachers have to be so multi talented. I mean, you know, think of a grammar teacher or a mathematics teacher or really any teacher. You're going to have a number of students who have to be in your class who cannot stand what it is that you're going to talk about. And so our jobs are one, you know, we've got to provide on the very basic level some sort of entertainment level. We've got to provide some sort of understanding. And so that's where all these talents come out in all teachers. And, you know, I would love to just. Contact Donald Trump, and, and say you put together your best group of uh, corporate people, and let me pick some teachers, and we'll go head to head. And I guarantee <laughs> we'd win. We'd win the show. We'd win the Apprentice hands down. Teachers have to be able to do these things, and 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 the, the first, the best ones will say they can't do any of it, and they really do it all. They are just multi-talented people. They're they're performers, and and uh, and. Uh, Humorists and comedians and artists and musicians and, and everything. It's, it's amazing. I love teachers. Always have. Knew I was going to be a teacher from a very young age. I,
0: I, I think it's interesting that, that there's that philosophy of if you, if, you know, those who can't teach, because in the music field we have the same thing, which is if you, those who can't conduct. <laughs> And so I well, always feel like no matter no matter which which profession i'm I'm leaning towards at the time, the, the stigma is always well, he can't do it
1: <laughs> that's funny. well, I don't know much about music and conducting, but I would just imagine a conductor has to know every instrument extremely well. Am I right there?
0: Yeah, you have to know a lot about a lot of things actually, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah, that's crazy. But you know, in in education, and I suppose the same is true of music. You know, a lot of people feel that they're an expert because they went to school at one time in their life, and a lot of people probably feel they know a lot about music because they own a lot of CDs, and, and they're so much more involved. And and um I
0: always I, say that I, I learned the most about teaching in my years four, five, six, and seven, because <laughs> the first couple of years of te- you just you you're not there yet. You're just trying to figure out how to get around the building and how to, how to make a lesson plan. And I'm, you know, we're just not at that point, at least in my career where I'm opening my eyes and saying, Oh, you know, you can do all these things. Um, talk, let's talk a little bit about what it takes or what it means to you to be an Apple distinguished educator. Tell, Tell us about that.
1: Well, that's great. Uh, the Apple distinguished educator was a surprise to me this past year. Um, I don't hide it. I'm a big fan of Apple products because I think they, they make the most innovative, uh, software and devices, um, around. I just, I think they're great. I think they're a perfect match for education. And this year I was recognized by Apple as an Apple distinguished educator. And I wasn't exactly sure of what all that meant. I knew it was an honor. Um, I submitted a, a video and some lessons that I had done. And, um, and I was amazed that I was accepted. And, you know, unlike a lot of other awards and recognition, the Apple Distinguished Educator is uh, its more of a duty. It's more of a responsibility. They, they flew me out to uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We met for a week at the Walter Cronkite School for Journalism. And we were given the task of creating digital content for iTunes University. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with iTunes K through 12 University, but it's a fantastic resource for teachers. It's all free, and uh, we are in the process of doing that. We have a September 30th deadline, I believe, to get our projects finished. And then it's an ongoing it's an ongoing uh, responsibility that we will serve as advocates of Apple technology. We'll serve as advisors to people. That we will serve as um, authors. Of, of blog posts and video creation and things like that, and that we work with other people like you and other teachers who have a, a real interest in, in using technology in education. And with that, they provide us with some pretty cool tools and some pretty awesome opportunities to go and speak, uh, to try out software, um, of different things like that. I'm really tickled that I was uh, accepted and have been invited into this wonderful ADE Apple Distinguished Educator community. I have met <laughs> the most amazing teachers. You know, I, I like to pat myself on the back and think that you know I've done some cool things in in, in my uh, years of teaching. But uh, the people I've met that are ADES, wow, they just set the the bar very high for me. And 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 so I it's it's a great because um, you know around here I am. You know, one of the guys really into technology, and when I'm around these other ADES, well, I'm just another dog in the pack. And so, yeah, I like that. I like that challenge of okay, you know, I've now I've got to work really hard because I've been recognized for this. And and so that's what I really think it is. It's not like a trophy that you put on the shelf and you look at. It's uh, they they have expectations for it, and um, I'm really excited. I, I, the next opportunity for an American. To become an ADE will be 2013. There's only been about 315 uh, teachers, maybe 400 from the United States that have ever been accepted out of 1,500 total in the world, and it's it's a kind of an elite community. And uh, I think uh, a guy like you and other teachers that are interested in, in technology and Apple products should apply. You know, uh, get your lessons, get your videos, uh, find out what an ADE is, and, and go for it. Not just to receive the recognition but to contribute in a bigger way there is a revolution going on in education and it's being led in a big part by technology and I want to be part of that revolution
0: well put Kelly thanks Kelly we want to say thank you for coming on the show today Uh, this has been an amazing experience and a great great time here
1: well I think you are just uh, an awesome guy Um, I wish I and maybe I will uh, turn the tables on you and interview you for uh, Wired Educator. I've never done a, uh, a podcast like this. Maybe we can do a written format or something, but you know, uh, it's, I feel like I'm talking to a, a younger me. You know, you have <laughs> so, so many interests. I can tell that you are so genuine and authentic and uh, that you really want to make a difference in not just your students, but in other teachers. And that's really a teacher. That's really a teacher. Uh, I applaud you for creating teacher cast and, uh, putting yourself out there with, uh, your conducting and everything else. That's what we need. You know, that's what we need. A lot of people shy away from, from things like that. Um, I say, no, we've got to get it out there. Life is short. We're dead a very long time. Um, uh, but we're made for, we're made for more and, uh, we need to, we need to use everything that we've given every talent and, uh, so I thank you very much for having me on tonight. And I, I, I'm sure our paths will cross again and again. So thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. And if you're ever in Philadelphia, stop on by.
1: <laughs> it sounds great. Thank you, Jeff.
0: We always end the show by asking our guests to give a little shout-out for themselves and tell us how to find you. So where can we find you, Kelly?
1: Well, pretty easy. We talked about branding earlier, about everything I do is Kelly Croy. Uh, if you want to see my speaking and my art presentations, you can go to kellycroy.com. Uh, I have a WordPress blog, Kelly Croy. You can find me on Twitter, Kelly Croy. Uh, My Facebook page is Kelly Croy, but my art presentation is Facebook and uh, forward slash chalk art. Uh, Just Google me. You'll find me. Uh, You've mentioned and listed my websites there. But uh, what I'd really like is rather than just people clicking and and, uh, taking a look – you know, I love to respond to people. Send me, uh, send me some words on Twitter or one of my blogs or an email, and I'll respond to it. I'm, I'm a pretty real guy. So uh, if you got a tech question, if you think I might be the person that can answer it, I really will. So uh, I look forward to people reaching out and asking me some questions.
0: Thanks for listening to the TeacherCast podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, teachercast.net, to your friends and colleagues. We can be found on Twitter at the screen name TeacherCast. Be sure to check out our iTunes channel for TeacherCast podcasts and app reviews that are beneficial to you, the 21st century educator. If you like what you hear, please write us a great review and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This has been a TeacherCast production. Join us next time for another edition of the TeacherCast podcast.